Hello and welcome. The goal of this podcast is to get listeners connected with others in the sports industry because they say it's all about who you know and now you know us. Well, hello and welcome to the Constant Sports Podcast. Today we're joined by Dr. Beth Sanfrone. Thanks for stopping by today. Thanks, Connor. Glad to be here. Awesome. And uh, so just a little bit of a background for our viewers and listeners today. Uh, Dr. Sanfrone is the program director of the Sports Administration Program and co-director for the Center for Sport and Urban Policy at Georgia State University. She specializes in sports advertising and sponsorship effectiveness, emerging technology and for video games. I want to touch into that a little bit as well. Uh, experimental design and sports marketing and sports consumer behavior, just to name a few. And doctor has been there since 2007. Is that correct? Yes. Long time. Awesome. So she's, she's been in the industry for a while. She's got a lot of experience. So we're excited to dive in and to learn from her and maybe she can give uh, the listeners and viewers some tips and skills on how to be successful in the sports industry. Great. Let's do it. All right, let's dive in. So can you give the viewers and listeners here, uh, why'd you choose the sports industry? How did you kind of get down this career path? Sure, yeah, I guess uh, similar to you and others, um, the sport industry is, it's fast paced, uh, no two days look alike. It's very people centric. And most importantly, it lets you be around something that you know you love and you're passionate about. Um, so that's all kind of what drew me in the field. Um, like many of you, I grew up playing sports my whole life. And, you know, everything we did socially was around sports, going to games, watching games on TV. So uh, it's it's something that I was excited about, but I had no idea that it could be a career path. And mm-hmm. so when I got to college, uh, I ended up majoring in business for two years, uh, not even realizing there was a degree in sport management. And I kind of accidentally was looking through the course catalog when I was a sophomore, which back then it was actually a catalog, a book that you would look through. And I saw a class that was called women in sports. And I was like, oh, like I'm a woman. I like sports. Let's just take this and see what it's about. And the professor was Dr. Ruth Alexander, who had been the first athletic director for women's sports at the University of Florida. And, you know, she started all of it like around Title IX. And I just learned so much. And I loved the class. I switched my majors and I kind of never looked back um, and wanted to get into the industry from from her awesome so she was kind of your I guess you could say mentor you know someone that you were looking up to um and did you have any other people like that as you were leading into the industry like oh I want to be you know a, a team president because so-and-so is a team president yeah no so I was I was really interested in like event management and like the Olympics mm-hmm. uh, so I thought like I would want to be large scale events. And so I didn't really pinpoint any individual people as being mentors um, other than the faculty that I have, which maybe is right. why I ended up as a faculty member because they were so influential in what I wanted to do. Gotcha. And then kind of touching on that faculty side a little bit, um, what kind of made you make the switch from like the kind of the, the business side to the academic side as being a, the, the professor and the, the director and whatnot? Yeah, so after I did my undergrad, In sport management, everyone sort of does the same thing. We do a lot of internships, a lot of volunteering for free, you know, a lot of trying to just see what you like and what you don't like. Mm -hmm. And in doing all that, I decided I should probably get a master's so I can figure out a little bit more. So I stayed at the University of Florida, uh, did my master's. And while I was doing my master's, I did my assistantship as a teaching assistantship. So most of my friends Mm -hmm. did it 
assistantship within the athletic department. Yep. And I instead worked for a professor helping with research, learning how to teach classes. Um, and it still didn't really hit me that that would be what I would want to do uh, yeah. as a career. Uh, but then they started a PhD program. So just as I was graduating with my master's, they started that doctoral program and they offered me, you know, the ability to come and continue get my PhD. Um, and they were willing to give me a stipend and a tuition waiver, which is a huge draw and advantage. Yeah, so course, I course, yeah. kind of took, uh, took advantage of it and ended up uh, becoming a professor because of those great experiences working with the faculty and learning what it was all about. Got it. So one thing kind of led to another and then, you know, just kind of worked your way into the, into the realm now, nothing really, there was never like a, a teacher that wanted you to, you know, made you want to be a teacher, just kind of the, the career and the arc just kind of led you to, to being a professor. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I do think that initial, you know, meeting with that Dr. Alexander, she really yeah. made me realize that it's a possibility. This is, you know, something that people do. And then I had um, other great faculty there. Uh, Dr. Greg Bennett was my advisor when I was getting my master's degree. And I worked for him um, for a year and a half or two. Um, and then I did my PhD and uh, Dr. James Jong was my advisor. And, you know, he taught me a lot about what it, what the rigor needed to be to, to become mm -hmm. a professor. And it sort of came all full circle because when I was a doc student, I had a chance to actually TA for Dr. Alexander, and then eventually teach okay. that class um, for a full semester, that women in sports that I- Oh, wow, that's really cool. Right in to begin with, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, so just touching on this a little bit on kind of your specialties and whatnot. So you have a background in sponsorship, advertising, the effectiveness and whatnot. So uh, if you could, you know, kind of slow it down a little. Oh, I think I lost her there. Oh, there she is. There we go. Uh, if so, just touching based on the sponsorship and like effectiveness, okay. uh, you know, you kind of you, you specialize in that. What makes a sponsorship effective? Is it a is it always like a like a Super Bowl or kind of what makes it uh, you know effective and reaches as many people as possible? Yeah, I think I mean the Super Bowl is a great example of like advertising and commercials. Um, and then when we look at sponsorships, I think it's a complicated question. Um, and one that we study a lot is, you know, what is effectiveness and what is showing effectiveness for these companies, but because the goals of a lot of these companies might differ, but the best mm -hmm. sponsorships are partnerships where both the team and the organization um, or brand sponsoring can each help each other reach whatever those goals may be. And to do that, you know, integrating the consumer in some way that it appears and is truly authentic and genuine um, as a, a good relationship should be. So I think right. that, that's kind of the key for a sponsorship in general to make it mm -hmm. be most effective. Right. It's more like the two-way streets, like kind of like the, the win-win deal. Both sides have to kind of be, they, they, they want something out of it, right? So it's, I think that that's kind of a, the basis of that is kind of what it sounds like. Definitely. Yeah. And the more creative they can be, you know, mm -hmm. and willing to try new things, those usually lend themselves to really good sponsorships. Right. And it kind of reminds me of, I think it was two Super Bowls ago when that company, the QR code, I forget who it was, Coinbase maybe or someone. And it like broke the entire site because everyone was like, oh, there's a QR code. And they went on their phone and, you know, they did. And I thought that was pretty cool. And, you know, no one's really ever done that before, but stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, and you way to use technology and, you know, draw people in 
mm-hmm. continuing people like at home, you know, if you're, you're viewing something and then, you know, continue it in your own device is kind of a right. way to do it. No, I'm with them. And then kind of speaking on the device and the technology side, uh, you specialize kind of in like the video game, I guess, space, the experimental designs uh, or uh, emerging technologies rather, and then sports video games. Can you give the viewers and listeners a little bit, you know, of an insight of what that looks like and, you know, possible, I guess, career paths, stuff like that? Yeah, sure. Certainly uh, the gaming industry has changed quite a bit in the last 20 years or so. Uh, before it was, you know, I studied mostly just traditional video games, you know, so like your traditional Madden or FIFA. Um, and now actually like the esports industry has become a full-fledged industry. Yeah. And so there's a lot of opportunities, um, whether it's in the traditional video gaming space or like the consoles and so forth um, or mm-hmm. the actual esports, uh, which is where kind of some of our stuff has shifted in studying how like NBA 2K is integrating with the NBA teams and what those brand partnerships kind of look like. So that's where most of my research has kind of shifted towards now is more on that uh, esports and like brand extension and so forth on uh-huh. the and are you seeing a lot of brands that are interested in that or are they kind of like dipping their toes in the water or are they just going full full steam ahead? I think a lot are going full steam ahead. There's been yeah. so much money invested in uh, a lot of these gamers and the different teams. And in, uh, it's, it's really, it's a global phenomenon, which is mm-hmm. even better than some of the uh, other partnership opportunities companies might be able to have is because Definitely. this has such a wide reach um, and it's reaching people like in their homes in a different way than uh, if you were a sponsor like the Atlanta Falcons, that's more of you'd have to go to the stadium to see some of those activations. Right. Whereas here it's, it's much more wide scope and creating maybe more diverse audiences. Right. Uh, well, kind of speaking on the audiences and, and groups and whatnot, I know you're a member of a few, uh, I guess you call them like uh, professional memberships or whatnot, like the sports marketing or whatnot. Could you talk a little bit about those and maybe, um, some different memberships our listeners should look out, you know, maybe apply to or look into? Yeah, professional memberships are a huge part of, you know, growing your network, getting more knowledge. And certainly some of the ones that I'm a part of, um, the North American Society for Sport Management, Sport Marketing Association, are probably like 80% academics and then 20% uh, practitioners. And so those are you know, good ones if you want to kind of come in and see what the latest research is on topics and network with those groups. Um, the NCAA certainly has their own, okay. you know, membership-based uh, groups, NACTA and NACWA, etc. But what I'm a huge fan of is uh, Women in Sports and Events, WISE. Yep. Uh, they have chapters throughout the United States, and they give women a place to connect and grow as professionals. So that's one that maybe people don't think about or know about and it doesn't matter which career area you're trying to get into yeah no it's wonderful and i as we um you know the constant sports podcast we've been talking to other people and we actually were looking to talk to dr wendy Dees here in a few weeks and i know she's kind of she's involved with that as long, as long as yourself so we're looking forward to going down that that route and you know uh, i guess exploring that for our other you know our women audience and yeah. trying to grow that as well and then a little bit, so we're transitioning now to the uh, Georgia State program. Okay. So could you give the viewers, listeners here, you know, just a brief background on the program, how long it's been around, you know, where it's located, obviously in Georgia, but just like the city, stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. So um, 
Georgia State's Sport Administration Master's Program is in downtown Atlanta. So we are just a few, few blocks away from Mercedes-Benz Stadium, uh, State Farm Arena. Our campus is embedded um, and is a traditional urban campus, which is really unique, I think, in sport management and really lends itself to a lot of really good opportunities to work with these teams. Our, our Georgia State's football team actually uses the old Turner Field, which is where the Braves used to play. So around that area, it's, it's growing. We have a new kind of convocation center and uh, new community pop, propping up there. So it's, it's a, if you're not familiar with Georgia State, uh, you hopefully are familiar with Atlanta. And mm-hmm. we're uh, right in the, the midst of all of that. The master's program was started in about 1985 by Dr. Rankin Cooter, who was also the athletic director at the time. And like a lot of the older programs, we're called sport administration um, and we're housed in a college of education and human development. Uh, so if you have maybe seen in other podcasts or look when you look at programs, uh, some of the ones that are older master's programs are called mm-hmm. sport administration versus sport management. Um, so we all teach the same things. It's just how they were originated, yep. typically bases where they're housed in. So newer ones would probably be in business schools. The older ones would be in um, probably College of Educations like like we are. Um, all that to say, we have a, a pretty established history and we're fortunate to have alum all over the place since we've been around for a bit. Right, right. And then what, as far as the program goes, kind of what's your favorite aspect, uh, you know, like personally, and then also the students when they come back? Was it, you know, the area, like you're saying, that the, in downtown Atlanta, is it the classes, kind of what's like the overall you could pick kind of favorite aspect yeah I think I would say our ties to the sport industry which probably mm-hmm. encompasses a few things right so yeah, yeah. the fact that we are downtown gives us um, advantages to grab those ties but then we also mm-hmm. have created these relationships and partnerships with a lot of organizations within the city or events that come through the city like every right. every December we work the SEC football championships um, as a group and um, you know things like that that are not necessarily housed in Atlanta all the time, but mm-hmm. every year annually um, on a basis. Um, so from those, I think that's what our students really enjoy, those opportunities yeah. that they have. Um, and then our alum are a big advantage as well. Mm-hmm. So they're always willing to help us out and give back to to Panther family. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that's, we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit here coming up. But yeah, the alums is to any program successes very uh, influential and then kind of starting from start to finish is it how long does it take a student to go through the program is it a cohort model is it rolling admissions kind of go through that process yeah so we have um it's a 36 credit program Mm -hmm. nine credits is deemed full-time students can enter in the fall the spring or the summer and so with that you would apply probably six months out Mm -hmm. on each of those right so the um Spring admission is in October. The fall admission is in early April. And then the summer admission is at some point in uh, December or January. Right. So those are the three time frames we bring in students. The fall is the heavier class, but um, we do recognize that some students maybe are working in the industry and then they come back. Mm-hmm. And so they start up in the summer or the spring, depending on their the person, like personal calendars. Um, it typically takes two years or one and a half if they take Mm -hmm. courses in the summer. Uh, And our classes are 
one day a week for two and a half hours, and we are all in person. Hello and welcome. And then, the as far as the classes go, is there, are you guys looking to add new classes? Is it like a core model that you've been using for a while? How does the class kind of that those look like? Yeah, so we have, um, I guess, a core set that we always offer. So, right, mm-hmm. the main uh, sport marketing, sport leadership, organizational right. behavior, sport law, and cultural aspects of sport. And then we have a number of electives that our students then take to fill out the remainder, the remainder of that 36 credits. And that usually lends itself to whatever our faculty are experts in. So, right. You have Dr. Sim Kellison, who's a leading expert in sport ecology and stadiums and urban policy. And so he teaches our sport facilities class and public policy. So ones that are really his areas of expertise. Uh, Dr. Lauren Beasley is a new faculty member that we have who's has a unique background in that she's a licensed social worker along with her PhD in sport management. And so she has expertise on mental health and sport. And it's been good that she's uh, just started a brand new class on mental health systems and policy in sport admin. So these are, I think, some of the elements that are unique to our program Mm -hmm. because those classes probably aren't being taught to this level across the country because we have uh, two folks that are really invested in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I've never heard of those uh, types of classes before. And so with the elective classes, do you have like a, an adjunct professors that kind of come in and out and then you kind of base it off that? Or is it you kind of have a the program has a, a, a the regular number of professors that teach the, the same classes? Yeah, so we have that regular group that I just mentioned. And so those classes mm-hmm. will always be offered as electives. Right. And then we do use uh, three part time instructors who mm-hmm. are people who either work currently in the industry or have in the past. Uh, so we have one that teaches our sport data analytics um, who worked for Turner Sports and did their analytics and now works at Delta. We have another who teaches our sport law class who is a sport agent in the city of Atlanta. And then we have um, another who uh, specializes in entrepreneurship, so teaches that class. Oh, cool. So we have kind of a unique um, elective sit- courses, I think, compared to mm-hmm. some other programs. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That sounds really cool. And the professors are always such a you know huge part of the program but then along with the students and then of course the alumni so as you were mentioning before that you've had you, you the program's been around for a while so the the extensiveness of the alumni is vast so could you you know maybe name some places or uh, companies that the alumni have gone on to work for since graduating from the program sure yeah i, mean, I think our students are pretty much all over the country and world which is mm-hmm. really exciting um some of them are you know athletic directors that colleges and universities across the country um some of the ones that maybe are in like the 10 10 year range or 15 year range Mm -hmm. of being out of of school from their master's program Uh, one's the director of branding for like the las vegas aces um this is from the las vegas theme i'll just stick there for a second Uh, another is like the director of game experience for the las vegas raiders so students are in different roles i think all across the country which is really excited really exciting to see um, and they're yeah. all eager to give back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the the eagerness to give back is there. Do you guys have alumni events that you do? Kind of how do you keep that, you know, group connected and, you know, strong? Yeah, so one of the things that we just started this semester actually is a mentorship program. So mm-hmm. students in our master's program who are interested in being partnered up with the industry professional, 
um, we've paired them with an alum who then will meet with them for the semester a certain number of times and um, just help that student figure out what they want to do or if they already know to maybe help them hone whatever skills they might need from a practical side. So that's one thing that we're really excited about that just uh, we're just starting underway. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, really cool. That's awesome. And touching on the skills a little bit, as you've seen what, you know, in your time there at the program, what skills kind of have separated, you know, the successful from maybe that not as successful? Is it like the hard skills or soft skills, a mixture of both? Uh, Yeah, yeah, it's a good good question. Uh, Probably a mixture of both, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, strong academic performance usually comes from a few different things. It probably comes from, uh, you know, commitment, time commitment, uh, being able to critically think and write and uh, really taking advantage of, you know, the readings and the opportunities that we provide. We have a email listserv that every Friday we send out uh, job opportunities or internship opportunities or volunteer opportunities. So, for example, the Braves say that they have a Ronald Acuna uh, baseball camp and they need 15 people to help, then we mm-hmm. would send that out on Friday, right? And so students who are interested in helping that camp would then go and work it um, to some sport event operations and so forth. So I think the students that end up succeeding really early on in the, their sport career are ones who've taken advantage of those opportunities and then really made the most of uh, kind of that classroom experience where we do case studies and other experiential type opportunities uh, in the classroom for them to learn the theories and then apply them once they get those practical experiences. Right. Yeah. Kind of really just diving in and, you know, trying to immerse yourself in the industry is obviously, you know, one of the better ways to go about it. Um, I'll just say, like you were saying, it's a, it's a fun and tough industry. A lot of people want to get into it. There's, you need to have that passion for it. Oh, for sure, for sure. And then kind of touching on the the students still, like the prospective students and the skills, when they're applying, are there certain things that the admissions teams looks at? Is it like the grade point average, a mixture of like relevant work experience? Uh, what does that look like? Yeah, so we review kind of from a holistic approach, um, strong mm-hmm. academic performance in your undergraduate is a good indicator of academic performance on the graduate level. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ask a couple like essay questions um, that are critical okay. thinking type questions. So seeing how they answer those two questions um, helps us get a better understanding of where their critical thinking skills are and their writing skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do look at letters of reference from faculty as well as their resume. So what type of experience they have and put that all together to try to see who might be the best fit for the program right right and then as as they kind of get through the program what's one thing that you and your staff uh you know when the students graduate and leave what's maybe like one thing you want them to remember or take from the program itself sure yeah i think i want them to be able to look at the sport industry with a i guess a a critical lens you know to be able Mm -hmm. to see that there are a lot of great aspects of sport that there's a lot of elements of the sport industry that could be improved and so that way they go through this program and maybe their eyes are open to some of the challenges that happen in the industry whether it's um, you know from a personnel perspective or Mm -hmm. um, some of those maybe urbanization issues that happen when we bring stadiums into communities 
or some of the challenges with student athletes with mental health. And, you know, there's a lot of pieces of sport that are really challenging. And so hopefully at the end of the program, our students have a better grasp on how to make a difference within a sport community um, from their experiences here. Yeah, no, lovely. I love that. And then what, the, what does the future look like for the program itself going forward? Yeah. So I think we've got some good things going. Uh, we mm -hmm. are happy to see that some major events are coming through Atlanta, yep. which happens very frequently. Um, sure. But the World Cup is something that we're looking forward to. And we're already starting to have meetings on how our students would be involved in that. The college football playoff is changing. And so that's uh, we're hosting the first one in a couple of years. And so those things are really exciting. Uh, we also have a number of graduate assistantship opportunities for students. So about 75% mm -hmm. of our students are on an experiential partnership uh, graduate assistant. So they'll work either within our athletic department, our campus recreation, or like 10 to 15 other sport organizations within the city of Atlanta, uh, mm -hmm. from private high schools to youth sport organizations to other athletic departments such as Georgia Tech or Kennesaw State or Agnes Scott mm -hmm. and so or I think Emory is another one as well so there's a number of college athletic departments within the city of Atlanta that also need graduate assistance and oh. we're the program that they use for those so mm -hmm. um, you know there's opportunities for students to maybe work in the marketing department at one of those schools or operations or facilities or sports information and so that's something that we've done for a long time. Um, but even moving forward, we are creating more of those relationships to create more opportunities for our students to get these stipends. They get a tuition waiver. Uh, and then certainly they get real world experience, which yeah. we then partner with some research projects at the end of their two year career here. So uh, some of those things are really exciting for us. Uh, we also have an advisory, advisory board, which we're using right now a lot with that mentorship program that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're, we're really excited about the future here. Yeah, no, that's awesome. A lot of cool things going on for the program itself. And we're looking forward to follow the future as well. And just kind of to wrap up, uh, we'll, we'll do a, like a no huddle. I'll just kind of spit fire some questions and kind of the first thing, thoughts or whatnot that come to your mind. And then we'll just kind of go from there. So sure. if you could pick one, what's your favorite course to teach? Uh, I love the sport marketing class. Okay. And then what's your favorite quote or motto or saying or whatnot? Sure. Quote, saying, or motto. I think if, uh, what I like is uh, if we couldn't laugh, we'd all go insane, which is <laughs> Jimmy Buffett's song. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of challenges in this industry. And so I think a, a good way to approach it is with uh, laughter. Agreed. Agreed. Yep. That's perfect. And then what's your favorite book, fiction, nonfiction, what have you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love, I love autobiographies. So I like hearing people's mm -hmm. stories. So any autobiography on anyone's sports industry or otherwise, I, I really enjoy. I'm reading uh, the one on the Vanderbilts by Anderson Cooper right now. And I think all oh, oh, that's yep. fascinating. Yep. No, agreed. And what medium or, you know, what sources do you use to stay up in the sports industry? Sure. Yeah. I use Twitter most, most frequently. Uh, gives mm -hmm. me a lot of really good relevant examples to pull into my classes every day. Yeah. And, you know, following different individuals helps me get different perspectives. So mm -hmm. I, I think there's some good in lurking and watching people on Twitter. 
<laughs> yeah, no, Twitter is definitely a good space, especially in the sports industry itself. And then, um, you know, we're, we're thank you for the time today, you know, jumping on the podcast. And I'll give you the time now to, you know, promote any events or promote the program, kind of um, give kind of give you the floor here. Oh, sure. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. This is fun. Um, so kudos to you and your crew for putting together this podcast for people who are interested in this field. I think education is a great way to get your foot in the door. And mm-hmm. uh, we're really proud and excited of all that we've done here at Georgia State. And if students are interested, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have you apply. Um, we are active on social media. So at GSU Sport Admin on all the places. So okay. grab whatever platforms your favorite and check out the program just to see what our students are up to, what our alumni are up to and what type of work our faculty are doing. Uh, so thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it. And then we'll, we'll add all those links there. And then we also send out a weekly newsletter every Friday. So we'll add your program, you know, admission dates, maybe some other events and whatnot to kind of keep the viewers and listeners up to date with all things Georgia State Sports Admin. So yeah, if you have if you have any other events or whatnot in the future, we'll be able to shoot those out, and as long as the the uh, as well as the socials. Um, so yeah, thanks again for Perfect. stopping by today, and we uh, we're we're looking forward to following the program and seeing all the great alum that come out of there. Great, thank you so much. And as you just mentioned, there was one event that I just came to mind. We will have a online. Okay. Uh, we do like forums online where mm-hmm. executives and practitioners and researchers talk about key topics. And so um, our next one will be on mental health space in sport led by Dr. Beasley. So that's it online. It'll be a zoom or a WebEx okay. and we'll send it out to faculty across the country. So we'd love to have students join if they're interested in that area or industry executives, if they want to learn more about the topic. Yeah, that's great. We'll, we'll stay up to date on that and spread it out. And, you know, maybe I can jump on that as well. And I'd, I'd love to learn a little bit more about that. So that's great. awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Hey, you know what they say? It's all about who you know. And now, you know, Beth, see you in front.